was too soon. Too soon? All right, try it again. Right. Okay. Oh. I was just fucking with you. It was fine the first oh, time. Oh, you, you jerk. I got you. You jerk. I got you. You got me. You idiot. <laughs> I'm going to go throw rocks at you now. <laughs> and I will clap right like between my <laughs> knees at you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back and happy November. Uh, this is podcast part three, the part three podcast. I am Sam. And I am Will. And we are here to talk about the big man, the king of the monsters, Godzilla himself, and to a lesser extent, uh, his American counterpart, King Kong. Uh, well, it is it is Godzilla's birthday month. Yes, so it is Godzilla's it's... birthday month. The Toho just announced a new Godzilla movie coming out next year. Will and I are both Godzilla fans in different capacities, and we're talking about Godzilla's third feature film from way back in 1962, King Kong versus Godzilla, which also happens to be King, King Kong's, Kong's third feature film as well. Uh, and this is a movie I, I would say um, it's it's a solid Godzilla movie mixed with the jankiest King Kong remake <laughs> you've ever seen. Yeah, and and the American version does this movie no favors. No, I actually ended up watching the Japanese version. Oh, you and, did? Yeah, I, I didn't did. have time. Because I, but... I was curious, because... It's, I mean, if you can see any of these movies in their Japanese version, they're they're so much better because they, they yeah. it, it's not just that they get redubbed, but like the American version turns this into the sort of classic like 1950s giant animal movies you had like coming out of Hollywood at the time where it's all like exposition delivered by reporters and uh, scientists yeah. like in lab coats standing in a room. And, Standing in a room in front of, like, a, a dollar store flag. Yeah, or, like, a big map of the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas, you know, the Japanese ones, I think, are, you know, they're structured, you know, closer to what you find in Japanese cinema, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They're, they have a lot more parody about Japanese culture and capitalism. This is a fascinating franchise. Godzilla is yeah. the most interesting cinematic character to me because... If you look at the movies that he's been in, both in America and in Japan, to think this is a direct byproduct of the death of hundreds of thousands of people in a nuclear fire, it's it's just it's incredible. It's an inc- it's it is it is possibly the most quintessential piece of 20th century Japanese culture. Oh yeah, I mean, and in, in every aspect of it, um, you know you. You, you start in 1954 with this sort of solemn, haunting movie that's that's taking a genre that kind of started in America, but really expressing Japanese fears and anxieties post the bombing of Hiroshima. And, and then it moves into this, you know, it, it, as it moves through the 50s, well, really one other entry in the 50s, which is just sort of a generic monster movie. But then as it moves into the 60s, it moves into being this big, poppy, like, uh, Japanese sci-fi stuff where it's, like, all about the world uniting and trying to to be better. It feels a lot more Star Trek-y. And then it also starts becoming more for children and being a lot sillier and... And then it, it, you know, migrates even more in the 80s where Godzilla becomes sort of this anti-hero. <laughs> Godzilla is all things to all people, not just in how his fans see him or how pop culture sees him, but literally in these movies. Godzilla goes from being a, a, a stern warning about the dangers of nuclear power and its effects on, on, you know, the fate of the world and the fate of humanity to being uh, like a in, in one movie, he's... A, like represents the spirits of everyone wronged by Japan in World War II. He, in some, he's a destructive dinosaur who's just out to trash things. Some, he's a mutated dinosaur who was a normal dinosaur who became a giant nuclear dinosaur. In some of them, he's the hero defending Japan. Some of them, he's a friend to children. And, you know, and in one American version, he's French, you know. <laughs> Created by the French and and basically just becomes uh, any of the the dino, the raptors he be, yeah he and just the becomes from, uh, uh, yeah the raptors <laughs> from Jurassic Park yes so I, I guess um because I think uh, there's there's a certain section of Godzilla fans who are kind of more like me I think I'm I'm more love the idea of Godzilla and sort of the aesthetics of Godzilla maybe more than I actually like 
any one Godzilla movie itself. And I think for those people that don't know that much about them, because there's 32 Japanese Godzilla movies and then another, I guess, five or six American ones now. Yeah. It's kind of the Toho Studios Japanese Godzilla movies are divided up into three groups. There's the Showa era, which runs from the 50s into the early 70s. And that represents, and the Showa era was an era in Japan. It's basically everything before the death of Emperor Hirohito. Uh, then there's the Hisei era, which runs from the mid eighties into the early nineties. And yeah. And well, in the mid nineties, it like 1995, 95. Like, yeah, you're right. Godzilla versus Destoroya was 94, 95, I think. Yeah. 95. Yeah. And then there's the millennium era, which ran, I think only like 2000 to 2005 or something like that. 2000. Yeah. 2000 to 2004, starting with Godzilla 2000 or Godzilla millennium. Yeah. They, they crammed the... like a half dozen movies in there. Which yeah. Is and, and I think there's five of them, I think, uh, or f- yeah, five. I think there's five. There's Godzilla 2000, Godzilla versus Magiris, um, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, Godzilla versus Mothra, Tokyo SOS, Godzilla, something like that. Godzilla, and Godzilla Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters, giant all, monsters out attack, all out attack, and, and then Godzilla, Godzilla Final Wars. Final Wars. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Look, I mean, we could we could be here all day going into all the Godzilla movies. They're all fascinating little, like, I think if you watch them from also the Japanese point of view, you get these insights into what Japanese pop culture was like at any given time yeah. when they came out, because they changed dramatically just over the course of the Showa era from 1954 to 1975, I think was the last yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, and, and and a lot of them, you know, as it sort of progresses, it becomes more for children, the budgets get lower and, and lower and lower, and you can tell, like, Toho cares more and more about it as just a money-making venture as opposed to any sort of artistic merit. Um, even though there are some great ones in there, like Godzilla vs. Hedorah or Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, which is what it's called in America, where Godzilla fights pollution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I, I think we we decided to talk about King Kong versus Godzilla because it is really a major turning point for giant monster movies in general, but definitely for Godzilla as a character. Well, yeah, I mean, and I didn't even consider this when I picked this, but this is really like the quintessential part three that we talk about. Yeah. Because it is, it basically codifies what the rest of this series is going to be, more or less. I mean, like, it it has pretty much all the tropes. It has all the things that all the other Godzilla movies have. I mean, they're sort of in a rudimentary form, but it, it really just codifies the... The, the genre here. I yeah. Mean, it, you swap out King Kong for any of the sort of traditional Godzilla, uh, other like Toho Kaiju, and it's the quintessential Godzilla movie. It would right. probably be a better movie, but you know. We'll... Yeah, I mean, and it is. I mean, you, you, you think about it like the next year after this movie comes out, they make uh, Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, and Ghidorah the Three Headed Monster. Right. Which, like, in the same year. And those are really the two where they figured out exactly how the movies should work, how the, the the human story should intersect with the monster story, and how the giant monster battles should actually work. And then pretty much the formula is set from there. Yeah. And then you get the, sometimes the monsters are controlled by aliens, and sometimes right, right. they're controlled by people from under the sea. And, you know, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it usually comes down to the formula is Godzilla reemerges from the ocean or hibernation and is either going to protect Japan from some invading monster, or he's going to be protected. He, some other monster is going to be set on uh, Godzilla to fight in the hopes that they will destroy each other. Hence, let them fight. That's literally, let them fight is is the thesis <laughs> statement of about 75% of all Godzilla movies. Yep. And then yeah, the other basically. 25% are let them fight, but it's got some big ideas behind it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first two Godzilla movies are Godzilla, Gojira, from 1954, known in America as... Uh, Godzilla meets uh, Perry Mason, <laughs> a.k.a. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, of the where they monsters. just added uh, Perry, uh, a pre-Perry Mason, Raymond Burr, as a reporter, sort of, I guess he's just sort of standing there narrating what's happening. It's honestly not a terrible Americanized version of it. 
No, I mean, it, it's it's at least, uh, unlike this movie, it, at least, like, he's, the way that he's inserted, he's at least part of the story. Yeah. So, on some level, but... Yeah, it's 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 very janky, and if you know what you're looking for, it's real janky. <laughs> yeah, very janky. The that said, the original Godzilla from '94 is it is. I don't know if it's like the Godzilla you would show someone if they've never seen Godzilla movies before, but it is the best one. It's certainly the oh, most yeah. important one. It's one of the most important Japanese movies of all time. Absolutely, and and I mean it is. I I mean I can't overstate this enough. It is a great movie. Oh, it's like, fantastic! It is a really well done movie. It's the acting is fantastic, and and it's really easy now to get it. It wasn't for a long time, yeah. but it's really easy to get the Japanese version. And it is. It's like it, it is one of the best. It's just one of the best things that like science fiction can do because it it explores anxieties and fears of the current time. Um, through a genre lens. And it's just an incredible piece of filmmaking. It handles... And I will say this in in the case of all of the Godzilla movies. The Japanese ones handle trying to tie Godzilla to some greater meaning better than any of the American ones have ever done. And that's not to say the American Godzilla movies are all bad, but I think they just... This is a character that is so quintessentially of Japanese cinema and pop culture that it's hard for anyone but them to tackle it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's... On the flip side, perhaps King Kong is very quintessentially American, (laughs) and it's probably not great when other countries try to tackle him, because I don't know if Toho Studios (laughs) really understands how King Kong works. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, uh... (laughs) Right. I mean, like, and, and, you know, talking about King Kong a little bit, I mean, the 1933 King Kong is a landmark movie in, in America um, for special effects, really. The inspiration but, um, for Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. One of the inspirations for Godzilla. It's a, I'd say Godzilla is a better movie, but King Kong is the, like, most, one of the most important, like, special effects movies of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you know... Talk about, I mean, inspiration for Godzilla a lot in structure, um, but also uh, E.G. Tsuburaya, who did the special effects for Godzilla and later created Ultraman, um, was inspired by King Kong, and that's what led him to want to do special effects. Yeah, Uh, E.G. Tsuburaya is probably one of the three guys that are like, are responsible for making Godzilla who he is. The other two are Ishiro Honda, who directed the first one and directed this one, among many others, and Akira Fukube, who did the score. Yeah. And that's another thing. Uh, the American versions of a, mo- a lot of these movies, including King Kong versus Godzilla, don't use Akira Ifukube's score. They take right. out, they take like production music from American movies. I think uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon score shows up a couple <laughs> times in the yeah. American version. And yeah. the Godzilla theme uh, by Akira Fukube is iconic. You know, it's the dun 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 dun. It's it's carried all the way to the new movies. <laughs> Yeah, all right, well, so yeah, King Kong, 1933, huge, huge influential movie, um, and they followed it up with a sequel, Son of Kong. Yeah, both these um, movies had a phone-it-in sequel a year later. You had Godzilla (laughs) Raids Again, which was released in the U.S. as Gigantus the Fire Lizard, so he wasn't even, he didn't even, he didn't even get to be Godzilla in the U.S. (laughs) Yep, and then, uh, and, and then there's, uh, Son of of Kong. Son of Kong, yeah. Which I've actually never seen. I've it's, seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, it follows um, Carl Denham, the you know uh, the guy who's played by Jack Black in the Peter Jackson version. It right. follows him, and he's now uh, like bankrupt, and he's being sued by everyone, and he's like, well, "I'll go back to Skull Island again, I guess." And, then <laughs> and then he runs into another... like a baby Kong, but then the whole island sinks, and it's like it's de- the only thing that's notable about it is it's it it makes all the sort of I don't think the original King Kong necessarily wanted you to be sympathetic to Kong. Yeah, that seems like kind of a modern interpretation that, like, you know, the Dino De Laurentiis version kind of did, and Peter Jackson really went for it, And Son of Kong, and then the other movie around that time was Mighty Joe Young, both want you to sympathize with the giant gorilla. King Kong, the original, um, I watched it with my dad, and it's one of the first movies I ever remember my dad being, like, upset by. <laughs> like, because he was just like, because the humans in that all suck. They're all assholes. Yeah. And they're like, 
provoking and shooting dinosaurs, and poor King Kong gets pulled from his home and sent to New York, and then he falls off the Empire State Building and dies. And my dad the whole time was just like, these poor dinosaurs. This poor gorilla. <laughs> it definitely, like, instilled, I think, my sympathy towards a lot, like, animals in a certain way. It's definitely not yeah. what the filmmakers intended, but I'm I'm not alone in feeling sympathy towards Kong and towards like all the like the dinosaurs and the animals getting shot in that movie because that's what you see in every version of King Kong that came later. And in this right. one he is ostensibly the good guy. Yeah, it's um... He's the face if you want to put it in wrestling <laughs> terms. <laughs> Yeah, it's very strange the way that the monsters are, and I, I want to sort of get into the development of this movie because it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, and you know all this stuff a little bit better than I do, I think. Uh, and I, I even brought along my copy of the Ishiro Honda um, biography, and I have some dog-eared notes. Oh, fantastic. So. <laughs> um, but uh, this movie, the monsters are portrayed so strangely compared to sort of how they're portrayed later. They're very, they're more animalistic and they're not, they don't really, they, they, even though they have more personality and do like wrestling moves with each other, they don't, uh, they don't like their, their, their usual personalities are not kind of there. No, it's, it's, this is like a halfway point for Godzilla cause he's goofier in this, but he's still the <laughs> bad guy. Yeah. But he's got like, yeah. he's like, you know, he's not just a force of nature like you see him in a lot of his, you know, heel right. turn movies. <laughs> he's just sort of like around causing mayhem. Their first confrontation is one of the funniest things in the movie <laughs> because Godzilla shows up and is like, his reaction is kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? And Kong's there and his big floppy arms are flopping around. And Godzilla's like, fuck off. Fuck off, you guy. Like breathing fire at him. And Kong like kicks a rock at him. And it's just like, well, you fucking throwing rocks at me? What the fuck, man? <laughs> Breathes fire on him. Like, fuck off, guy. And, and then, then Kong and gets caught. He gets small. singed. And he just scratches his head and walks away. And Charlie Brown walks away. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> okay. Well, all right. I'll see that. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so seven years after uh, Godzilla raids again, um, yeah. Uh, it's Toho's 30th anniversary and they're looking for a, a project. There's a couple pro notable projects that it comes out of this. Um, Sanjuro, the sequel to Yojimbo. Cool. And a, a 47 Ronin, um, like big, big sort of, um, you know, epic uh, Japanese cinema stuff. It's one of the things I always love is that like Toho produced a lot of Kurosawa's stuff, especially his early stuff. And, like, the crews on the Godzilla movies kind of just, like, went back and forth from, like, they're going to work on a Kurosawa movie, and then they're going to work for Ishiro Honda on Godzilla. And I just find that so interesting. Well, and, and Ishiro Honda and um, Kurosawa were friends. They were really good friends. And, and Ishiro Honda, I think it's... Um... Uh, I think it's Ron. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, Ashiro Honda directed like second unit stuff on some of uh, Kurosawa's later movies. Yeah, no, it, um, it, I mean, it's. I think it's. We all, unlike um, sort of like the way we regard like the auteurs of Europe, your Truffaut, your Godard, your Fellini. <laughs> I think if we think we think of those foreign filmmakers as existing kind of in their own little vacuums, but right. like in Japan, you've got you know. The, the, these the, this was a film community the same way we have in Hollywood and I think yeah you know it's always interesting to think about that and these were these were as consistently made as Kurosawa movies yeah, yeah. which I, I love and I love Kurosawa movies as well I'm a big Japanese cinema fan I find their yeah. storytelling format so different than what you see in Europe and in uh, the U.S. and their history like their culture especially post World War II is so different in how they yeah. see the world and how the world sees them. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 the way that that the post-war shaped their storytelling versus the way it shaped America's storytelling and the the myths and and it, it, the myths that America told about itself and the and the myths that Japan told about itself are very very fascinating. Yeah. Um so uh back to King Kong versus Godzilla. So uh, Willis O'Brien, who did the who did the special effects for King Kong, yes. had this idea in the like sixties, late fifties, early sixties, uh, to make a sequel to King Kong that was uh, King Kong versus 
like Frankenstein's monster. And what? it was basically What is it with these filmmakers <laughs> thinking, "Oh, what if we made Frankenstein huge?" I know. <laughs> I don't get it's it. So yeah, I don't know why that. Speaking uh, of a fundamental misunderstanding of uh, of a character, <laughs> so it, it was basically going to be Frankenstein's uh, the uh, uh, descendant creates a giant monster and would have to fight King Kong in San Francisco, and that was sort of the the gist of it. And he Willis O'Brien got together with unscrupulous producer John Beck, um, who then uh, went a runaround on Willis O'Brien and sold the rights to Toho, who thought this would be a good idea to do uh, for their 30th anniversary project. And instead of have Frankenstein monster, Frankenstein's monster have Godzilla. So then you, so that's where Upgrade. that's where this really, that's really this came from. And if you think, cause Godzilla raids again, wasn't that successful. And you know, and wasn't like a big, wasn't even labeled as a Godzilla movie in America. This is a movie that basically created its own hype as Godzilla versus King Kong. It's this big epic thing. And like King Kong really wasn't like a franchise either. No, King Kong has way less movies than Godzilla overall. Yeah, but this movie basically created the two franchises in like the modern public's mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It essentially reintroduced both characters to pop culture, and Godzilla never left, and King Kong, I mean, I think there's still just one definitive King Kong, but every (laughs) 15 years or so, someone's gonna take a crack at King Kong, you know? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so that's that's sort of where this this movie comes from. And then John Beck, of course, gets the rights to do an American version, which is where you get this weird War of the Worlds-esque uh, broadcast from the UN space satellite. <laughs> the the globe at the beginning of the American one yeah. that has like, yeah. a Hamlet quote, like something yeah. like, there are more things in this world, Horatio. In the Japanese one, it's also like a, a, a sonorous narrator talking about what if, what if, the world, you know, were to stop and what would affect us. And then they go like, cut, and it's like a guy steps in front of the screen. He's like, forget all that. Forget all that. And it's an ad. And they're doing a commercial for the pharmaceutical yeah. company. <laughs> so. Right. And, the yeah, the Japanese version, I mean, what I've read, I haven't watched it. And it is available on the Criterion version, but in like a weird, like the, the quality is not that good is my understanding. It's fine. It was fine. You know, it was yeah. DVD quality. It wasn't, it didn't get the yeah. full remaster. Yeah. Um, but, uh, is that the, the Japanese version is more of a satire and is sort of making fun of TV, TV executives at the time (laughs) in Japan. Yeah. The, um, actor that plays the, like the mustachioed producer, Mr. Tako, Ichiro Arishima, uh, he was like regarded in Japan as kind of the Japanese Charlie Chaplin. Right. And you can kind of see that in his performance. Uh, but like the movie, especially in the Japanese version, never pretends that his idea to bring King Kong to to the mainland to boost ratings is a good idea. Everyone, <laughs> including his own employees that go to the island, think this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> yeah, and then and then of course their uh, their adventures on Faroe Island are uh, there's something else. Yeah, there's something else. <laughs> you know, uh, Japan is famous for often porting elements of American pop culture over to their movies. Unfortunately, Brownface made it uh, over there as well, and it, it, it's it is something to behold. There's a protracted sequence where they're plying the natives of Faroe Island <laughs> with cigarettes and uh, transistor radios, and I'm just like. Come on, can we can we move this along, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah you're like, oh boy. Yeah, the first is... uh, third of the movie is essentially like a truncated remake of King Kong, but right. with occasional cuts away to Godzilla's now out there as well, causing <laughs> trouble. Yeah, and the way that the the American version is cut into into these these news segments are is so strange but also like weirdly funny yeah there's a campiness to it i think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of the sort of classic giant monster movies is the you know the the you know just sort of lots and lots of exposition being ladled out and in the (laughs) japanese ones the story is still very goofy but it flows in a more natural way right it feels like a real movie it's not uh you know, it's not as as janky as sort of like, well, here's this person who's going to just explain what's happening to you 
uh, just literally at you. <laughs> yeah, and you can kind of pick up, you know, some of these, char- these character types are in the original Godzilla, but you can kind of, this movie sort of sets up a lot of the archetypal characters you get. There's often, yeah. there's often like three to four sort of leading men types. There's usually, yeah. one is uh, like the guy, the, you know, researcher or the scientist. One of them is like the government uh, guy who's like sort of consulting with the generals. And then you have, <laughs> usually there's a plucky reporter, uh, right? you know, things like that. And it's like it's usually they sort of change them out uh, depending yeah, on the it, movie or de- yeah, depending on sort of how you like um did you ever see uh godzilla against mecha godzilla the one from like the 2002 or something like yes that? I, i've seen that Where one it basically it plays like top gun but with mecha godzilla yeah. but it has the same formula where there's like there's one reporter <laughs> yeah there's the scientist there's the person who has to pilot mecha godzilla yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's all it's 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 very very classic just sort of different ways to tell the same story and and sometimes they work better than others i think a lot of it hinges on how interesting is the other monster that they set up because godzilla kind of i mean he's gonna take a sort of different like he's gonna be different versions of you know chaotic good versus chaotic (laughs) evil on the uh on the scale depending on the movie but it kind of hinges on how interesting uh, the story around him is right and 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 the better ones usually the the human story is at least somewhat compelling yeah uh you know at least like the reporter is interesting or quirky in a in a in a way or the scientist has something going on like uh godzilla against against mecha godzilla has the top gun thing where the the pilot's trying to wrestle with you know trying to get back in the saddle and stuff which is cool and fun yeah but like it went the movies don't work when the the human story just doesn't dovetail well enough with the the monster story so then you just have humans standing around explaining what the monsters are doing yeah i think that's and, a big and, problem with the new american monster verse ones is there's absolutely. just too many human characters all kind of just like trying to figure out things that we as the audience already know right or yeah or just can intuit i mean you you know we both cut our teeth working on the dragons animated series and a lot of the problems those episodes when those episodes aren't working have the same problem are when the human story and the dragon story never really quite connect right yeah you know it's otherwise you just run into Okay, here's these here are these characters explaining what other characters who can't talk are going through. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, and and I think the biggest problem with this movie, not so much the human characters, but the fact that they're all more tied to King Kong, and right. this is just a, like a less interesting take on King Kong. Like right down to the fact that they have him pick up a girl and climb a building, but it's a <laughs> comically short building. <laughs> Which, uh, apparently, all that stuff was mandated by RKO, the folks who own the rights to King Kong. They said, he's got to pick up a girl, he's got to scale a building. and it's it's um, It does feel like, it's, we got to hit these beats for the fans, you know? <laughs> and that's one of the reasons, I think, also, that this movie is more readily available than the American version, is because it's one of those ones where the rights have been, like, partially owned by, I guess, now Universal. Yeah. So it's never been yeah. able to just be a fully Toho uh, release. Like... They started re-releasing all the Japanese language versions of the Godzilla movies on DVD in the 2000s, and this was not one of those ones you could get in those box sets. You could get Godzilla, Godzilla Raids again, you could get, to, uh, you know, All Monsters Attack, or Godzilla vs. Mothra, or some of the non-Godzilla ones, which, you know, uh, right. everything they do with King Kong in this is done infinitely better in War of the Gargantuas. <laughs> right, and that that's one of those, like, high watermarks of the kaiju genre like that is like what most kaiju fans are like well that's like the best of the showa era even better than like the godzilla movies in some respects like the problem is each of the eras of godzilla have different problems with how they portray godzilla like (laughs) he's a little too cartoony and goofy and looks too much like a guy in a rubber suit in these ones and then in the hisei era he looks the design is fantastic but he's really weirdly stiff and immobile and, like, he uses his fire breath a lot more. And then in the Millennium Era, he has tons of mobility and he can just go fight with anyone, but is like, has no facial expressions. Right, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, the Hangsai Era does a lot of, their monster fights end up turning into beam fights, where it's, like, one monster's breathing something at Godzilla and Godzilla fights back. 
comes sort of boring. And then when you get to the millennium era, like because those movies are also trying to court an American audience too, they are, they do a bunch of different things that like the other movies by time and budget couldn't do, but also they, they feel like they're like almost trying too hard. I'm really talking about Godzilla final wars. Well, yeah, I mean, Godzilla final wars is absolutely insane. It's the, it's, it's the Avengers end game of uh, Toho. All the monsters are in it, but it's also, I don't know, the Matrix and the right. X-Men. Exactly. Are, like, it, it's it's the Matrix, the X-Men. There's like an Independence Day homage in there too. It's yeah. just, it's like all it, over the place. Famously, the 98 American Godzilla shows up and gets whooped <laughs> by Japanese Godzilla. Yeah. Um but the, the one anomaly in the Millennium Era that I really like is uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, which is an absurd title. But <laughs> the that that's one of the ones, the last ones where Godzilla's the villain, and yeah. that's the one where he's meant. It's a has a lot more like mysticism involved in it, and he's meant to represent the spirits of everyone wronged by Japan in World War II. And they just his design in that is different than the rest of the Millennium Era. And he's yeah. just, he's just like, he looks so much more like an animal in that, which I really like. Yeah, he looks really scary in that. I love that movie. That movie's really good. And, like, the monster fights are really fun, too. Like, it, 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 like, has a lot of points it wants to make and heady ideas. But it also doesn't forget that, like, to be fun. You want good human story, good monster fights, and ideally you want, like, the ideas to all work in concert with each other and yeah. very few Godzilla movies pull that off. No, I mean yeah, sometimes you my one of my favorites is uh Invasion of Astro Monster or uh, Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Um that's one of the alien invasion ones which uh has King Ghidorah and Rodan and Godzilla's in it too and I think Mothra makes an appearance. That one's like a lot of fun. That one I think is like feels like a Star Trek episode, but with with giant monsters. Yeah, uh, the first Mecha Godzilla is kind of like that too. It's yeah. got like the Japanese Secret Service guy, and they discover that there's these like ape men aliens living among <laughs> us, and they're like there's a Godzilla going around trashing everything, but it turns out to be Mecha Godzilla. You know, it's like it's fun. They're fun if you can get past the kind of cheesy campiness of the whole thing. They can be a lot of fun, and I think my problem with the American ones is that. They're not fun enough. The best ones dance with being really fun, but they fall into their idea of fun is it's just endless, like, Marvel quipping. My big problem with uh, Kong, whatever it's called, Kong versus Godzilla. Kong that... versus, because he's King Kong is, it, the, the his his title of royalty is the property of Universal Pictures. <laughs> Kong himself uh, I think can be is, licensed is out. I he has to. That... He has to sort of surrender. If he's going to go from WWE to WCW, he's got to surrender the championship <laughs> belt. If he's going to go there, so he stops being Hulk Hogan and becomes Hollywood Hogan. Yeah, I think. Know. Yeah, I think Kong is. I think it's weird. I think a lot of our parts of King Kong is in the public domain, but other parts are not, and like King Kong is trademarked and like. Yeah. <laughs> um, my problem with that is like the humans in that movie do literally nothing and just sort of sit around and exposit and like they don't even make jokes. They're like so boring, those characters. Kong honestly just doesn't fit in the Godzilla world. Yeah. Kong King Kong is such is a much simpler story. Yeah. And it's yeah. you know, it is a much can be is often a much more human tale that is less science fiction and more I don't, I wouldn't call it fantasy, but it is, it's just, it's, well, it's, like, it's, it's also King Kong. Kong is just a big gorilla yeah. and most of Godzilla's fellow monsters are big monsters. They aren't, they don't really look like anything, you know? Well, I mean, well, some of them do, but I mean, yeah, they, they, they also, their personalities are different and a lot of what they're. Kong just, again, like his, the story is very much the beauty and the beast Thing. And it's not, and it doesn't sort of go beyond that. And and the original King Kong is very much this pulp adventure, uh, you know, fantasy maybe, but uh, but really just sort of a pulp adventure story. And it's not trying to say anything more. And there's so much more metaphor packed into Godzilla and baggage packed into Godzilla, and not as much with King Kong. And I don't know. It's so. It. I think you're right. I don't think they quite fit together properly i can see how why you'd want to like at least from a business perspective but 
yeah, they don't. Yeah. they don't quite. It, it, it's it's you know it's it's like Freddy and Jason or Alien yeah. and Predator. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 they seem to. They're the two big the two big guys on the block. Right. I mean, the I I, I feel like if you were to ask Japanese monster fans who they'd really want to see it the the real throwdown would be Godzilla versus Gamera. Gamera. Yeah. But they've never quite been able to work that one out. Yeah, that I mean that is that uh, what would that what would the equivalent of that that would be? Um Well, probably here. Freddy and Jason when they were at different studios. I guess yeah, it would yeah, yeah, yeah they're exactly. just it's two different studios and uh well <laughs> for those of you that aren't familiar with Gamera, if you're not a mystery science theater fan, Gamera is a giant turtle who farts, and that makes him fly. He's got giant jet jet engines that come out of his butt, uh, and he is a friend to children. Yep. Almost, he's never been a bad guy. He's always been a friend to children. Yeah, I mean, the nine, there was a, a trilogy of 90s movies, and maybe we should do one of those, the third one of that uh, um, era in the, in the 90s that um, uh, a lot of kaiju fans point to as being some of the best in the in the genre. I actually have not seen them. I have I remember them. I seeing them, but... uh, Siskel and Ebert review one of them, and <laughs> Ebert was kind of mad, but Siskel was, like, really jazzed on it. <laughs> It's funny because Ebert usually likes that kind of stuff, so I would think it would be Ebert and the other way around, but maybe not. I don't know. So, but this is the thing with this movie is that it as it I don't think it's a lot of people love this this movie and think it's one of the best ones, and I'm not a huge no. fan of it. I just like Godzilla's supporting monsters a lot better than King Kong, and this is a, just a, he look. Kong looks like shit. Oh, he looks, he looks horrible. He looks hilarious because he mean, looks like he's just. He's like, you did a movie at Hampshire that involved a rubber gorilla suit, and it looked only marginally less good than this one. <laughs> because this one, at least, they gave him really long arms, and he's constantly, like, flailing, flailing around, around. Like, a, like a tube man at a, a you know, like at a yeah. dealership. <laughs> and, and he's just, his, his face has no expression, and he's a, just a huge step down. Like, obviously, they couldn't do go motion for him like stop motion right. for him but like the kong in 1933 looks so much better than the kong and, in 1962 yeah, and so much more alive and expressive and and there's there's like a couple moments of of stop motion kong and godzilla in this but uh yeah there's one he does like a weird stop motion kick at one yeah, point yeah, and it it's... starts looking like two like when you try to make your action figures <laughs> kick each <laughs> other and they don't really bend at the hips <laughs> yeah. yeah and so uh, Ishiro Honda gave a an interview um, later, and he said, The studio thought it would be interesting to make these two monsters fight. That was all there was to it. Still, when you are the director, it is your film, so you still have to do your best. So I sucked it up and worked as hard as possible. Good man. Good man. <laughs> He's looking after his boy. He's looking after Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Get him through this one. Then get him to fight Mothra, you know. <laughs> then you can you can start introducing your, your, new, your new beasts. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. This one was successful enough and it was using another sort of proven character from America. It's it it re and it complete like tonal shift and visual shift from the original Kong and the and especially from the original Godzilla. Godzilla. This is a way lighter movie. It's it's more comedic. It's in color. It's big and poppy yeah. and that is what you got from Godzilla you know, for almost the rest of the Showa era and from pretty much everything ever since with, with, with the attempts to get back to the tone of the original, the exceptions, yeah. not the rule. Right, exactly. And there's a lot more like King Kongs versus Godzilla's in this franchise than Shin Godzilla's. Right. Or, or, uh, or Godzilla giant monsters all out attack. Yeah. yeah. Or return of Godzilla, yeah. AKA Godzilla, 1985 <laughs> or Godzilla oh, versus oh. Destoroya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is also one of my favorites. But that, that one's one, really good. That's that that's one the one really where, a uh, spoiler alert, Godzilla dies. <laughs> He's having uh, basically thermonuclear heart failure. Yep. yep. But what's cool about that one is that the monster he fights, Destroya, is created by the oxygen destroyer that killed Godzilla in the original movie. Yes, which uh, harkens so back to the, the, the big message of the original movie is they have to create the, the ram, the, Side effects of nuclear energy and nuclear weapons have created Godzilla, which forces the scientist to use a new super weapon that he's created to destroy Godzilla, knowing that he's going to continue this vicious cycle of super weapons until the end of time. So it ends with him destroying all the evidence of what's called the oxygen destroyer 
and killing himself. It's like the most sobering ending to a giant monster movie you'll ever see, but it's this incredible message that very few of the movies have like ever lived up to. Like they mention the oxygen destroyer in Godzilla King of the Monsters, but and they touch on like they, they, don't they use it? Don't they they have use, to it, use just it? Just have it. Like yeah, David Strathern just... like zooms in and is like, yeah. we have a new weapon called an oxygen destroyer, and it yeah, it's that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's um... that's a that's a DiCaprio once upon a time in Hollywood moment where you're like, <laughs> like I know <laughs> what that is. I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, man, that movie's all over the place too. This the, these are hard. This is like it. I understand from a business perspective wanting to make an American remake of Godzilla, but these are, like, hard movies to crack, I think. Like, from, like, a writing perspective, like, like, even the most, like, difficult Dragons episodes are are easier to crack because at least you have, like, the characters established from that franchise that are, like, so compelling, you know? But, like, with Godzilla and remaking Godzilla, you just, they're such hard. They're, like, I don't know. It's like other, there are other franchises in pop culture where you can go fun and light and action-filled but also go really heavy and deal with messages like you think of like the x-men movies right or just x-men in general uh you know another franchise where characters in it are dealing with like the trauma of world war ii and it's an analogy for immigrants and gay rights and you know, you have a movie like Logan, which is about, like, basically how Monsanto is going to kill us all. <laughs> you also have, like, the Sentinels and, you know, like... Time uh, travel and... Time travel and <laughs> Toad and the Blob. And, you know, it's it's it can go both ways. It's hard to try and have it both ways. And I think the problem with all of the legendary movies is they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think they need to keep them way simpler. Like, if that first Godzilla had been, you either do Irwin Allen and have right. it be a massive ensemble of people and Godzilla is just the disaster that's looming, like an earthquake or a burning building. Right. Or you make it, you you whittle it down to like three characters. You make it just about Brian Cranston and his son. Right. And you make it, you know, they that movie wanted to be about like Fukushima. And right. that's yeah. the new analogy. And it didn't work, whereas in Shin Godzilla, it worked insanely well right well and i mean i i also haven't seen shin godzilla yet but oh but my, will but you gotta my, see it i know i know godzilla's I know. like gross in it <laughs> i know but that's also it's one of those things where it's like that's such a uniquely japanese like experience and event and a lot my understanding is a lot of what that movie is a, is a satire of is the government's response to exactly yeah like it's that. all it's it's yeah. the kind of movie i like where it's like it's like zodiac <laughs> where it's not about the killings it's about like all the different like bureaucratic bullshit that surrounds it <laughs> the, and it's the like, process of dealing with it it's yeah, like there's yeah. like this giant tentacle is bursting out of tokyo bay and destroying underground tunnels and then it cuts to like they've brought in like a panel of like old experts and they're like it could be this or it could be this and the prime minister's like these people are giving me nothing <laughs> like we're, what the fuck am i gonna do and he goes on to the president like, whatever it is it's going to stay in the bay it appears to be staying in the water comes up a whisper what cut to just like half-formed godzilla crawling down the street it's, oh, man. it's really good it's yeah. it was streaming for a while these movies to find them all in one place is like trying to get the infinity gems together. It's <laughs> like it's much like the rights to Kong as a character are kind of scattered to the winds. The rights to these movies individually are kind of all over them. All the Showa really? ones are now on one box set and are all on <laughs> HBO Max most of the time, which is great. The Hisei era ones are just like I think the Weinstein's got their claws into Godzilla versus Biolanti, so yeah. you can't get that. And like other ones are hard to get. Like they had them in like pack like six packs but like from different eras and not in yeah. chronological order they're just impossible to find sometimes yeah i'm not entirely certain what happened although i looked on hulu and some of the heisei era stuff is streaming yeah there. some of them some of the heisei era stuff is back but then um, it goes away and you can't get any of it on dvd yeah uh, i mean i i managed to when the 2014 godzilla remake came out Sony pumped out Blu-rays of all the the ones that they owned and yeah. like in two packs and so I bought the entire Heisei era cuz I already owned the Millennium era. Smart. So I got I I pretty much have everything except Shin Godzilla and and I don't have any of the American ones, but I pretty yeah. much have all the Japanese movies now. Yeah, with the American ones, I kind of want them to like 
Every single one of them feels like it's on the edge of being a more interesting story, both either weirder or more serious, and it just doesn't commit. Like, uh, Kong Skull Island should have been way weirder. Like, should have been way weirder, way shorter, way less characters. It should have like, been Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, it should have just it's been like, like... It had so many good actors, and none of them had anything to do. No. And it's just like, every time it like veered into something interesting, or just weird and crazy, it kind of pulled back. The, and, and and then you're just down to like John C. Riley is carrying this movie. <laughs> That's what the, that movie should have been. That movie, the movie should have been the whole, the first 10 minutes of the movie. It right. should have been the Japanese soldier and the American soldier in World War II crash land on Skull Island. And then it's hell in the Pacific with with giant monsters giant monsters right this island that's just teeming with giant monsters i i agree and and i think you know it's one of the better uh one of the better uh universe shared universes that came out of marvel's success i mean i guess it's one of the better ones in that it actually kept going <laughs> yeah i would say there's nothing in there that's like egregiously terrible there's no 1998 no. godzilla in there uh they're no. all just I just want more from all of them. Like the yeah. the 2014 Godzilla, it's just not enough Godzilla. Right. It's like it's it yeah. it's it does it's the Gareth Edwards thing where everything is like from the human's point of view until the third act, and right. which you know it, that works up to a point, but at at some point it's like stop closing the doors, just open them. I want to see him fight this thing. You know. <laughs> Yeah, the best the, thing that my, came, honestly, my favorite thing about the legendary movies is their portrayal of Godzilla, which feels. Yes. He's, he feels, like, way older and just, like, because he's not, like, he's meant to be, like, sort of an ancient alpha predator that kind of, right. he's basically the sheriff of all the monsters that keeps them in line. <laughs> but he, I love, he he's just, he's like constantly. like, old and tired and annoyed. Yeah, like, like every time. time some new monster comes out in those movies, his reaction is basically, like, what the fuck is this now? <laughs> like, just, like, got, like, oh, my God, come on. What is, yeah. what is a fucking giant robot me? Fuck off. <laughs> Like and now I have to fight the monkey again. Yeah, Come like at on. the end of Kong versus Godzilla, he's heading back in the ocean. He looks at King Kong and says, basically with an expression, that says, "You clean this up." <laughs> and <then> he leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he. Uh, you know, in like Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, when Mike like has like his like like existentially annoyed face. Do you yes. know what I mean? Oh my god! Yes, that's he like is, that's he is like the, guys. He is, like this Godzilla Trout, right? is the Mike Ehrman Trout of of kaiju. <laughs> Absolutely, you nailed yeah. it. Yeah, He's I don't know, man. Kaiju movies are hard to do. No, no I, it's like look. Like, I we haven't really talked about Pacific Rim, but like, so I I love Pacific Rim. I think the the first Pacific Rim ha- comes the closest to sort of getting the fun of these movies, but it still has problems, and I think it's the problem of just an American studio just kind of doesn't get it. I think Guillermo del Toro does, but I don't think the studio does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, it's also turn off the rain. The special <laughs> effects look great. I yeah. want to see them. You yeah. know, it is it is fucking raining in every single one of these goddamn new movies. Yes. They did the same thing in 98 because they were covering up their effects. You don't have that excuse now. Everything is gorgeous. <laughs> Yes, I mean, and I agree. I think the problem also is that for for whatever reason, all of these movies have to take place at night, in the rain, or underwater, or all three. (laughs) I think we also, like, look at the wholesale destruction of cities a little differently. Maybe that's a post-9-11 thing. So I feel like they, like, they want to show the human effect of this stuff, and... You know, I, it's weird. They're, they're hard to do. And like, and I think we've hit on this a couple times. They are quintessentially Japanese. And Japanese right, and culture is wildly different than an American or European culture, especially in how they make movies. Well, and, and I think also with the, the ones that sort of deal more with the aftermath of, of World War II and all that stuff, I think that there's the disconnect of having guys in suits and model and breaking down models, making it look... So it, it doesn't look real. It doesn't look like what a building looks like when it falls over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the destruction looks fake. I think, I think, I, you know, I, I, I'm sort of talking out of my ass here, but I think that there's a level of catharsis in that um, for a country that has experienced uh, the wholesale devastation of a city. 
Yeah. And I think what happened post 9-11 and a lot of like these special effects movies where cities are leveled is we know what it's like when a building crumbles and they are now, the special effects are, are showing that in sort of excruciating detail and it looks just like the towers falling. It doesn't yeah. look like two guys in rubber suits breaking things. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of what bugs me about that is that the... I think there is an element of good taste in creating a disconnect. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you're gonna, if you don't want your movie to be an active reminder of the horrors of World War II, 9-11, what have <laughs> you, uh, don't lovingly recreate that in the imagery. Right. We both know what movie we're talking about here, but, uh, <laughs> and it's not a Godzilla movie, but, um, <laughs> what, what reaction are you trying to get from your audience? And I think, honestly, I am never anxious to relive September 11th. No more so than I'm anxious to relive Columbine or January 6th, for that matter. It's There is a trauma there that I think you have to be very, very conscious of as a filmmaker, which is why when they made Shin Godzilla, which is actively recreating the imagery of the Fukushima like tsunami and the, the meltdown, they don't play it for fun and right. they they treat it deathly serious whereas i think a lot of the times in american movies even if they're not playing it for fun they're playing it for shock value right and right. i just or, that just doesn't work for me that maybe that works for other people i just find that that takes me right out of the movie well and it makes you or it makes you numb to sort of what's going on and one thing i do appreciate about pacific rim is that it does even though the special effects are very realistic and lovingly portrayed, it does not lovingly show the destruction of cities. You know, it like, like it'll no, have, it's it's a cartoony world exactly, and it has like jokes and things that sort of make you re- go, oh yeah, this is not real. Like when when the the robot punches through the the building and it hits the little the little whatever that thing is called, the executive. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, the kinetic balls. balls. The kinetic balls. Yeah, where they cl- like that is the kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, this is fun. I'm having fun. This isn't like I'm not watching a building get toppled because you know I'm trying to be numbed by the destruction. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I agree completely. It's you know. and that's I think what made this movie work is that they knew to get away from the emotions that you were going to feel with Godzilla 1954 or even with King Kong. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is played for terror and horror as opposed to, like, it's a pulpy movie, but they're, when they have him, like, tearing through New York and pulling people out of windows, it's not played for fun yeah. uh, or even for thrills. Um, and I think one of the things that basically created this franchise is they knew to get away from that, make a point. Yeah, he's going to knock down some buildings. He's going to melt some tanks. Uh, he's going to knock down some power lines. But then you can also take things out of the city and keep your focus on the monsters. They're going to, they're going to wrestle around at Mount Fuji as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, uh, uh, you know, in this, uh, biography, they sort of talk about how Mount Fuji becomes sort of a lot of Ishiro Honda's, um, genre monster movies take place. Their climaxes take place in, uh, Mount Fuji, which makes it very uniquely Japanese. Yeah. Um, you know, cause it's a very distinctive Japanese landmark. I, that's, and I think that's the thing is that, Maybe it's because the age we live in, international cinema is much more accessible. That stuff stands out a lot more. Like, right. if you, like, go back and watch Power Rangers now, and the shift from, like, you know, Amy Jo Johnson at Angel Grove to, like, the Power Rangers fighting in what is very clearly Tokyo Tower, you know, it's, <laughs> it sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, or that, that one quarry where they always shoot, like, Oh, those, yeah, they those... always <laughs> fought in the same quarry, it's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I, you know, and, and again, I get from a business perspective why you'd want to remake Godzilla, uh, but it, 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 the kaiju genre is just, it's hard to crack. It is. And I think they might do, they would do well to maybe not take it so seriously. Make a movie like this without it feeling so heavy. I think Kong, Godzilla versus Kong, the new one, came closer to that. It felt... Like, yeah. a, a sillier movie intentionally, like, with the 
Ghidorah skull. And as soon as, once you bring Mecha Godzilla in, it's going to be a little silly. And yeah. I think it was trying to do that. It just also still felt like it was stuck in the like structure of a big Hollywood movie today. Right. I mean, and that's, that's sort of the problem is that the, the studios, it, it, it's trying to keep the, the perpetual motion blockbuster machine going and isn't trying to be like, where a lot of the Godzilla movies feel very distinctive, even though probably at the time they didn't, they probably felt all homo- homogenous, you know, but, um, but they all feel distinctive in their own different ways. Well, and, there was really nothing else like them at the time. That's true. the thing. It's yeah. like, there's no, there were, you know, you had a few one-offs like Gorgo, but you know, it, it's, <laughs> it, there weren't really a lot of American giant monster movies at the same, in the sixties like this. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I, I just, as opposed to something like James Bond, where there were a million knockoffs on TV right. and in movies. The Shaw brothers made a knockoff of King Kong, um, which the name is now escaping me, but um, it, uh, which Tarantino famously like imported at one point to, for his. Oh, is that Mighty friend. Peking Man? Yes, yes, that's it's it. It's big, yeah, big, big gorilla movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. At the end of the day, though, it's just like it's it, much like the universal monsters you don't really have to like know each movie in and out to love no. godzilla or king kong he, he's he's so iconic and the visuals he's just such a great design yeah. and i love all his monsters and i love you know like sort of his place in pop culture and how he really is all things to all people and i kind of love kaiju fans because they're a very positive <laughs> fan base <laughs> They don't really seem to get, like, maybe because there's been so many different versions of Godzilla and there really is no definitive Godzilla, I, I think they're they're always open to whatever comes next. Well, and, and the debates are always a lot more fun because it's usually like, oh, I love, you know, X movie or I love X monster because of Y or I love this design because of this. And it's like, oh, no, I really like this. Yeah, I like this Mecha Godzilla design <laughs> over this Mecha Godzilla <laughs> yeah. design. And it, it's never, it always, it always feels like, I mean, it never feels as toxic as like, well, I identified with Han Solo when I was a kid and this is not how Han Solo would act. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Godzilla would never do this. I'm like, Godzilla has done literally everything. <laughs> he's danced. He's, he's, he's danced. Flown, he's I done think everything. He, he played basketball against Charles Barkley at one point. You know, He drinks Dr. Pepper in that one commercial too. He talked you know, in one of the movies. He did. Oh yes. God, if you find that audio on YouTube, it's the funniest thing because it's like he talks, but they were like, Still trying to make it seem like, what would it be like if Godzilla and Anguirus had a conversation? conversation. <laughs> so he's like, Anguirus, <laughs> what, Godzilla? Trouble. Hurry up. <laughs> and then they're swimming. And Hurry, Anguirus. <laughs> In the Japanese version of that, they have uh, like little speech bubbles. Oh. <laughs> I love Anguirus. I don't know why I like Anguirus so much. He's, he's the big armadillo. Fun, the big he's armadillo. fun. He's Godzilla's bro. Like, you know he's ride or die with Godzilla. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, where is he? Where, what What I want is, and maybe, I, I don't know, I constantly equate kaiju movies to re- pro wrestling. Oh, I just I, want that yeah. three-on-three tag team. You know, like, yeah. I want Godzilla, Anguirus, and Mothra. And you have, like, Gigan, Ghidorah, and Rodan on the other side. <laughs> and you're good to go. Yeah, Rodan always is, was a fascinating one because it's clear like they always wanted to use him but could never like quite figure out his place in a lot of those I movies. Think, well, I think it's also flying kaiju are really hard to do because it's yeah, like they, they always look really stiff. Yeah, but they kept bringing back Mothra. But that, but then always they would be like, no, no, it's just the larval form. We're not well, having her fly. Well, also, Mothra doesn't really like, I don't think she really ever needs like a person in a suit to no, operate her. She's, she's just, just kinda, a moth. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, and Let's be real. Mothra gets her ass kicked like really easily most of the time. She's always the first one to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's usually, and then it's like, oh no, Mothra's dead. Oh wait, she had babies. Yeah. yeah. So she lays an egg and then she dies. Like I love yeah. her. And she's much like, uh, much like Ankira. She's ride or die with Godzilla. But you know, it's, uh, she's, you need, you, you're going to want, you're going to want the, like, King Caesar or Angira, yep. someone else like that in there to have your back, you know? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was very unfortunate uh, in Godzilla Final Wars how Angiris just becomes a soccer ball. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, it, all the monsters uh, go heel in that, except Mothra. 
But yeah, I mean, this is a fun franchise. If you're ever curious, if you've never seen one of the Japanese ones, honestly, spin the wheel and pick one. You really can't go wrong. They're, they are, like, they're, they're unabashedly, like, we are what we are, man. Yeah, you know? they, 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 there's very little pretense to them. I mean, honestly, if you've never seen any one of these movies, just find a list and read one of the descriptions and see which one, like, piques your interest. Yeah, what other monster do you want to see him <laughs> wrestle with? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then go from there. And you can pick which era. There's, you know, the 90s are some of my favorite, even though it does favor beam fights more the, than... The Hisei ones are very good good they kind yeah. of they're not trying to be as trendy as the millennium era ones but they're also like a little more polished and they look a little better than a lot of the showa era ones yeah yeah the, the special effects are great and godzilla versus king Ghidorah is one of the loopiest fucking movies ever made that's the one where they they pull a terminator and try and erase godzilla from existence right right and then they end up they in, end up inadvertently making godzilla no, they do erase him from existence, but then there's, but then they in, inadvertently create King Ghidorah. So then they have to get Godzilla back to kill King Ghidorah, and then they have to recreate King Ghidorah as Mecha King Ghidorah to kill Godzilla. <laughs> but Sam, it has one of the most amazing scenes in any of these movies. So is it the rollerblading android? No, no, no. I mean, well, that's even something even more crazy than that. Yeah. So, so they go back in time to erase Godzilla from from history, and there's this ship that's that's it. So it's set in like right around World War II, um, and there's this uh, ship set off the coast of where the Godzilla Saurus, the dinosaur that eventually becomes Godzilla, is kicking around. And so they travel back in time and fly over this thing, and then there are these two American guys, and they look at it, and one guy goes, "Wow, that looked like a UFO." And then this other guy goes, you better ignore it. Tell it as a story to your son, Mr. Spiel or Lieutenant Spielberg. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> That's some like quantum leap. Like, like. You know, Sam Beckett helps a guy who's choking. Is like, are you all right, Mister Heimlich? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my God! I it, like it's amazing. But that movie is just like time travel shenanigans, and it has one of the best monsters in all of the Mecha King Ghidorah is pretty cool. So yeah, I mean that's the thing. These things when they like, I, I I think a big part of it was like they would kind of just decide where to go tonally based on how successful the last movie was. Right. So yeah. it was like you know. Uh, once the more serious ones stop making money, they're like, all right, let's get weird. And when those stop making money, all right, let's 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 bring it back to basics, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I admire the, like, very, the, the malleability, the flexibility of both the, the franchise and Godzilla as a character. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's I think, what, what makes Godzilla fascinating. And he's kind of like Batman in that way, where he's mm. kind of, he can be mutable and kind of, like, Yeah, James Bond, too, to a lesser James extent. James Bond, yeah. Um... It's, uh, and, and yeah, and a lot like James Bond in that he sort of, he mirrors sort of what's going on and what's popular at the time. Yeah, he's got different eras. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, these movies, these movies rock. I mean, I love them. I love them all. They're, they're so fun and strange and, uh... I could go on and talk about it forever. Yeah. This one's real dopey. If you're like a King Kong fan, this isn't, I wouldn't call it a high watermark for King Kong. <laughs> no. uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's goofy. It's, you can't really hate it. It's, it's just, I would say there are better uh, examples of Godzilla from this era. Like the couple yep. that follow this really fine tuned what they were going for. Right. They and you get better monsters and... out of it. Right, you get better monsters, the Godzilla suit's better, the models are better, like everything, they sort of figure out everything off of this movie. And and this is also apparently still, to this day, the most, like, watched Godzilla movie in Japan. Yeah, and it is a hugely important part three, because it completely yeah. redefined the franchise, and is the reason why I think Godzilla is still a thing today, as opposed yeah. to sort of a interesting byproduct of the post-war cinema it's it's well, a massive cultural uh, icon and not just in japan but also here too i yeah. mean it was a, it was a big deal it made a lot of money here so it's um and and made a big impression on pop culture so yeah it wasn't just uh just a japanese 
I don't think we realized how important it was when we picked it last week, but uh, no, I, think so I, I think it's it's kind of a it's it is a quintessential threequel. It is yeah. it's it's right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well. Now it's I, your turn. Is it my turn? Oh, yeah. all right. Well, I thought about it, and uh, we're on to we're we've watched thirty some odd movies now, and we've watched some good movies, and we've watched some bad movies, and we've watched some downright unattractive movies, but we haven't watched one that's all three. Will so oh, we're wow. watching the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hell yeah! Yeah. All right. It's a part three that's also not really meant to be a part three, <laughs> and it's also another import, but. Uh, the spaghetti westerns, right up there for you and me, I think, with the Godzilla movies, uh, yeah. uh, among yeah. some of our favorites. And I absolutely love this movie, and it's <laughs> it's one of my favorite trilogies and one of my favorite part threes. And it's a it's a it's a real fascinating uh, movie in its own right. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's one of the few good ones that we've covered. We'll cover on this podcast. Yes, no, one of the few great. We've covered a <laughs> lot of ones. good. Yeah, uh, we haven't done a lot of great, and this yeah. is like I think this is one of those ones where I'm like, oh, this is a great movie. Yeah, this is yeah. An, this is both important and great. King Kong versus Godzilla <laughs> is important, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, I guess I anything else to add? King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. Oh man, Kong in this, he just looks like he looks like every, between every take, Kong just just took a big drag off a big old like joint and it's like i'm good to go man i'm good to go (laughs) my my eyes super red (laughs) and godzilla's like this is this guy is so unprofessional (laughs) i'm not working with him again (laughs) king kong's like brando on apocalypse now like he won't come out of his trailer for seven days (laughs) he shows up all out of shape so I was like, man, this is my third movie, dude. I gotta it's make like, this one right. It's like I'm just like I haven't worked in seven years. I'm just trying to keep my SAG insurance going. This is a big deal for me. Don't ruin this. Don't you fuck it up, you American. But I guess I guess Kong was easy enough to work with that they brought him back for his own movie where he fought Mechanicong. Well, uh, I mean that sort of has its own own weird history because Rankin Bass was making this uh, like animated in Japan, the King Kong show, and then, oh, they, right, and then right. Toei bought the rights to it, and they were going to make it as like an adaptation of the King Kong show, and then it like it is so crazy how that all happened. Yeah, the the story of like the stand the non Godzilla kaiju movies out of Toho is fascinating because Mothra yeah. was a standalone movie. And Rodan, Rodan was, was a standalone yeah. movie, and there's War of the Gargantuas, which is a sequel to Frank. They made their own Frankenstein, <laughs> giant Frankenstein movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, those are some weird ones, and they kind of drifted away from those over time. But the Showa era is kind of peppered with those standalone non-Godzilla titles. Yeah, a bunch of weird stuff like the Mysterians. Yes, the yeah, Myster- you know. Return of the Mysterians. Yeah, and uh, there's monsters in those that then show up in later uh, Godzilla yeah. movies. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, folks, when we will see you in uh, Spain slash Italy slash the Old West uh, for the good, the bad, and the ugly, I am Sam, and he is Will. And uh, adios. That's Japanese for goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night.